Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Comic-Con Podcast, episode 24. We are recording this on June 17th, 2021. Shout out to everyone in the community listening to this podcast, whether it's on Apple, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor FM. I am one of your co-hosts for the evening, Justin, a.k.a. Nemesis Prime, and throwing it all the way to my buddy, Zach. What is going on, Zach? What's up, everybody? This is Zach, a.k.a. The Manimal, down here in El Paso, Texas. Just uh, ready to talk comics, avoid that heat, and we got some good stuff today. Pretty excited yes, about today. Yes, we do. So uh, we actually have a two guests. First time we've actually had two guests here on the show. We actually have a publisher and as well as an artist here in New Jersey. So we have Sinopa Publishing, uh, Sam Quinton. Say hello to everyone, Sam. How, how are you, everyone? It's good to be here. Hey. So, and we have Alexia Van Heusen out of New Jersey, a local for me. What's going on, Alexia? Hey, guys. What's going on? Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So we want I, I a little bit of a background. I met both Alexia and Sam at the Garden State Comic Fest a couple of weeks ago here in New Jersey. Typically, the show is in Morristown, New Jersey. But because of COVID, they had some restrictions and they changed the location to Elizabeth, New Jersey. So they had it in an old uh, 21, uh, what is it, 21st century store. That's kind of like what they've been doing here in New Jersey. They've had two shows in different malls, one in Rockaway, New Jersey, and one in Elizabeth, New Jersey. So um, and I was walking around on Friday afternoon. One of the first booths that wasn't comics, cards, or Funko Pops was uh, Sam's booth and his publishing company. And, uh, you know, I was looking at all this stuff because, of course, you know, I, I'm a big artist and I like to get to know a lot of the indie stuff that's going on. And I met Sam and, uh, you know, Alexia was there as well. They were talking a lot about their the publishing company as well as their new title called 47 Furious Tales. But let's kind of get into a little bit of background of Sam and uh, let's, little, let's hear a little bit about Sonopa. So, Sam, Tell us a little bit about Sonopa Publishing. When did you start it? And what else do you have going on other than uh, the main title, 47 Furious Tales? Sure thing. I uh, founded Sonopa Publishing in 2017 to start publishing role-playing game uh, material and hope to move into comics as uh, we uh, gained a little bit of traction. Uh, we started with our, our first release, which was Tale of the Wizard's Eye, by a D&D open game license adventure, and then proceeded into other adventures with the introduction of the Tarot Adventure series, which is uh, an ongoing uh, series of adventures. We just pushed out the uh, digital rewards to our Kickstarter backers for that campaign. We'll be shipping the print copies to them uh, once the books come in from the printer. We also put out uh, a couple of uh, larger source books, uh, specifically The Steel Road, which was a collaboration between myself and uh, artist Zachary Viola. Uh, so it produced like a sketchbook style source book for weapons uh, that we uh, we had a really great time with and actually um, sees a lot of use in the in the stores who are carrying our stuff. Uh, and then after that, a, uh, a little uh, nefarious book that we put out, um, written by myself and illustrated by Christian Martinez, titled uh, Whispers of Persephone, which is the first and so far only book that I've released that's been banned in an entire country. <laughs> so <laughs> it uh, got banned in the Middle Eastern country uh, for sorcery. And um, <laughs> that, was, uh, that was pretty much that. But it's a book about necromancy. It's fairly graphic. We don't recommend it for anyone who's under the age of 18. Um, and it's uh, it's designed to bring real gritty, bloody necromancy into people's 5e campaigns. 
That's awesome. That's quite the feather to have in your cap to be banned out of all, not just a country, but the middle, you said the Middle East in general. I mean, that's well, it's one, it's one very specific Middle Eastern country. Oh, gotcha. this, so we'll, we'll, we'll just let that float for now. But our, our <laughs> Kickstarter backer from that country is how we found out he got banned. When we shipped it to him, he had to pay a fine of a thousand dollars. Oh man. Um, wow. But apparently they still let him keep his banned book. So, you know, I don't know how, Ban that is, but you can imagine not a lot of people want to pay a thousand dollar fine for a D and D book. <laughs> now, did he actually have to show you that fine? Like, did he? You know, was he complaining? No, he he, he he just sent me a, a um, email with it. He's like, look what they made me do. <laughs> <Okay. was> like, <laughs> and of course, it was written in Arabic or whatever yeah. the local language is, and I don't don't read it. So, <laughs> okay. um, I had to try to trust what he was telling me in English, but it was uh, it was pretty wild to see. Um, then we also put out the uh, Sinopa Omnibus, which are uh, quarterly collections of uh, creatures, non-player characters, and stories. Um, those have um, original art in them to illustrate those specific uh, character types. We had to suspend that when um, the COVID outbreak happened in uh, 2020, but we're hoping to bring issue, uh, volume three, rather, of the Omnibus out probably next month, uh, which is the first one that was wholly illustrated by only one artist. Normally, they're a collaboration of multiple artists uh-huh. who contribute on that. But volume three was done entirely by Alexia Veldhausen. Uh, so we, we kept her extraordinarily busy uh, for that mm-hmm. one. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, of course, she's also been working on 47 Furious Tales, uh, which is our, our telling of the 47 Ronin story straight out of the pages of Japanese history. Uh, but we're telling it with anthropomorphic animals. So we've got uh, squirrels and foxes, rabbits, and a variety of other anthropomorphic animals, much like they do in um Yosagi Yojimbo or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, and Alexia has done a fantastic job of illustrating that in wonderful color. Yeah, I was uh, really excited to, to check that out because I'm, I'm a big fan of samurai stuff, uh, whether it's anime. I grew up watching tons of anime. I love any type mm-hmm. of action uh, video game or movies. And when I saw the uh, 47 Furious Tales and you said, oh, it's all about the 47 Ronin, I was like, this is awesome. And even the way the, the printing, you, you print it on not normal like uh, comic paper, right? It's on a different paperback, right? Right, exactly. We use an 80-pound interior paper and the 130-pound cardstock cover. So it's a, a really heavy-duty um, print volume. Uh, each issue is on that same stock. The covers are finished with this satin soft-touch finish, so it has really a very... I guess the best way to describe it is a very comfortable uh, feeling to it in your mm-hmm. hand. Um, it, it, sexy. Call sexy, it sexy is a good word. Sexy <laughs> that's is a good that's word. definitely a better description. Uh, that's yeah. It, it's um, it's a really interesting thing too. We find that most of the time when we're out at cons and we put the book in someone's hands so they can look at it, about ninety-five percent of people buy it right then, just because it is such a um, high-quality uh, product. And the funny part is, is that we're able to put that in folks' hands for only five dollars. So we're right in line with what uh, your your normal comic book shelf pricing is mm-hmm. for uh, more premium items. And as an indie publisher, that's that's nice to be able to say. Yeah, yeah. When Justin was uh, when he got back from the con, he was talking to me about everything. I think he probably called me at the con and told me how he met you guys. Like, hey, this this title, and he described forty seven tales. And I was like, man, because I'm a big TMNT fan. Like, I'm currently reading that run. It's one of my favorite titles that comes out mm-hmm. monthly or whatever. But I'm also a massive uh, Redwall, Brian Jacques fan. So, and this is like right up my alley. It made me feel when I was reading the first two issues, it was very much like 
moss flower red wall type scenario but in japan and obviously following like the 47 ronin um, right. it's awesome i really really enjoyed it i'm glad to hear you guys are enjoying it we're really proud of how the book's turning out and now so the first two issues came out uh they were they are available and still available if anybody if anybody wants to purchase them when where can they purchase them directly from they can get the digital versions directly through drive through comics and drive through rpg um we have direct sales through our, our paypal uh front right now because we haven't finished building out the website uh, and that's probably not going to be till early part of next year before we're ready to push that but we also have um, issues one and two are available in demand on indiegogo at a, a really comfortable price point you'll find that basically matches what we were doing at the convention plus the shipping cost so. yeah and i think i checked it out you have uh, i think i think it was like nine or ten dollars which is super right. cheap which is basically exactly like you said it's just the cover price plus shipping uh yeah. there's all different covers there's covers that are done by alexia there's some varying covers which are pretty cool as well uh now when is issue three going to start the kickstarter are we looking um, at for we are anticipating launching the kickstarter on october 1st um and the reason i say it that way is we are aiming to have the entirety of the book done by the time we launch so uh right now it looks like if we continue on schedule alexia should be done by the end of september uh -huh. and then that will go ahead and launch in october and then immediately fulfill in november okay awesome uh, mm -hmm. Alexia, let's let's get to know a little bit about you as an artist. Uh, you're actually our first artist we've had on here. We have a lot of guests typically in the comic book community. Uh, you're a you know current New Jersey native like myself. So uh, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, who are some of your inspiring artists that you like? Well, for starters, I'm not actually a Jersey native. <laughs> um, okay. As the name Feltheisen would imply, I'm actually from the Netherlands. Okay. Yeah. I came over here in 2011 to attend the Kubert School out here in Dover, New Jersey. Um, because I thought, you know, I had the delusions of grandeur of becoming a comic book artist. And there's this comic book school out here. <laughs> so, you know, I was lucky that um, I have family who lives here. Mm -hmm. So um, I basically had a green card my whole life. I just never really used it until I was attending the school. So that was, um, I was very fortunate having that. Um, and I graduated in 2014 and I started working with Sam and Snopa Publishing in 2017, just to give a very quick recap. Mm -hmm. um, as for the people that inspire me, I mean, gosh, the list is, you know, it's huge. Um, but to give a very prominent example, Danger Girl by J. Scott Campbell is what got me into comics to begin with. Um, okay. And I tell him that I, I come by his booth every year at New York Comic Con. And be like, hey, I'm back. Um, <laughs> he's great, though. He's he's fantastic. Um, other than that, I'd say one of my biggest inspirations is the um, character and the mech concept artist for the Metal Gear Solid series, Yoji Shinkawa. Mm -hmm. uh, I really try to channel his his artistry, especially in 47 Furious Tales. Uh, another guy that I look up to is Mateo Scalera. He um, was kind enough to give me some of his time a long time ago at New York Comic Con. And he just told me these very magical words. Don't be afraid of the ink. Don't be afraid mm -hmm. of the brush. And that kind of helped, I don't know, unlock my inking abilities, if you want to call it that. 
um, it definitely made me more comfortable inking with brush because that's what I usually use predominantly is brush and ink uh -huh. and ink wash. So diluting the ink with water to create gray tones, uh, which is how I ink 47 Curious Tales and a lot of my other work if it's not completely digital. Um, and other people that I look up to, I mean, it's a lot of the great artists that have worked with Rick Remender. So, you know, Wes Craig, um, mm -hmm. Sean Murphy, um, Jerome Pena, Bengal, they're all just amazing artists. I mean, honestly, like I said, the list is very long. Oh, I, that's, they're, they're great artists. I, I hundred percent agree. Actually, I think back behind me, I have a, I have sketches on my wall. I actually have a, a red hood, Jason Todd from Mateo Scalera back there. Awesome. Uh, so, and now you draw and ink, uh, both for, for, uh, Fur uh, 47 Furious Tales, correct? Correct. So I, I want to tell you this, you know, personally for myself, when I read both issues, I can actually see the difference between issue one and issue two. You can actually see an improvement and in it, it's, it was a difference between when I was reading issue one and I can see how you got better with issue two. And I'm sure as you as you progress through your career, you're going to change by the, the by the time issue 12 comes out. I feel like it's going to be a completely different project. So I, I think it's awesome. Um, you've, you've gone to the Q-Bird School. And what's really interesting is this past weekend, I was actually up at Dewey's Comics. I'm sure you know about Dewey's Comics mm -hmm. and Cards yeah. up there. That's uh, my local shop. <laughs> so what's funny is I used to, since you you know in the New Jersey area, I used to go to their other shop when they were in Madison. Madison and then they, yeah. and they moved. And me and my friend were coming back from Sparta, New Jersey, uh, up north. And I was like, let's just stop at a comic shop. And we stopped in there. And the girl who was ringing me up after I bought a couple comics actually was, you know, gave me some of the cards for uh, Dungeons and Dames and Delia. also uh, <laughs> probably and yep. the 47 uh, Furious Tales. And I was just like, I was like, oh, actually, I already have these, you know, give these to somebody else. I was like, because I just got them at the show. And then we got into a conversation. She's, you know, we got into a conversation of how, you know, you went there to the Qbert School and then they have their little section of all the comics that uh, any of the artists or writers have you know, artists have come from there. And uh, I was like, oh, do you have any, you know, did you have that title? And they're like, oh, no, it looks like we're sold out. And I was like, oh, you know, it would have been nice yeah. to, to get it. But uh, Sam was kind enough to, to give us a copy. So we were able to read it. So I think you're doing a great job on 47 Furious Tales. Oh, thank you. Uh, and now there, there's the other thing, I guess, really, to go back to, to Sam. Like I said, Dungeons and Dames. Let's talk mm -hmm. about that. So that's a Kickstarter right now. Uh, right. It's Dungeons and Dames Fantasy. Uh, I got it up. A Fantasy TTRP uh, pinup art book. So right. this just actually launched, what, uh, two days ago? Yesterday. 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 Yeah, yesterday, a little after, around 5.30 yesterday, yeah. So this um, is awesome because now it's only day two. So anybody who's listening to this can really get in early if they want mm -hmm. to uh, back this project. So let's, let's, let's talk about this for a little bit. Sure. This project was... Um, kind of conceived in the early stages of the coronavirus outbreak in late 2019. Um, we had a lot of indie comic um, producers who suddenly found themselves that they couldn't get their books out of China where most of them were printing. We actually print ours in uh, the U S so it doesn't really affect us, but we had a lot of people who were artists and creators who were on other projects who suddenly everything was on hold. You know, they didn't know, when their money was going to come in. They didn't know when their books were going to be able to come out. They didn't know when they were going to put it out. And so um, it occurred to me that we could do something to help some of the artists that we, we worked with. 
And um, so what I did was I, I pitched this out for the, a bunch of the artists in the, the work group that we uh, that I maintain on Facebook, where we have basically everyone that we commission art through, that commission art through. And uh, we came up with a really nice, strong pool of artists for that. And so the whole concept was to uh, get the uh, this original neat concept, these fantasy pinups featuring the ladies and female creatures from fantasy role-playing games, uh, like um, uh, elves and dwarves and pixies and angels and things like that, and bring them into this art book so that um, we could showcase just all the talent that these folks have and then also um, make it something that was profitable for them because we're actually taking and just equally distributing anything um, remaining after the Kickstarter between between the artists and I get an equal share myself as the publisher to help make up for like the legal fees and stuff like that. But um, sending them the uh, equal division of all the print copies, uh, equal division of any remaining cash uh, to help you know kind of help support the artists who were affected uh, so much by the, the slowdown in, in work that happened in late 2019 into uh, 2020. That's really cool, man. I mean, you know, COVID obviously and, and the pandemic and everything just really affected the comic book community in so many different ways. And you can yeah. see it across the board, whether it's like, uh, you know, the price hikes and stuff on books and just the availability of things. But it's been really interesting to hear about, you know, some of the independent writers, obviously you got the big two and, and the, the minor independent publishers, the big names like boom studios and image and whatnot, right. who those writers are all going to be okay. You know what I mean? But then you think about all these up and coming independent stuff and like being halted and it kind of, it's sad, you know, you don't know what maybe got lost on the wayside that people just couldn't fund and keep going with their dream or something exactly. and just gave up, you know? So it's I, I you know time will tell how much the the community was really affected by this in the long run. So one one thing that had me worried particularly was how local comic shops were going to be affected. Right, and mm -hmm. we were able to help out a little bit with that because we of course had some shops who had been supporting our Kickstarter activities, shops who had been purchasing books from us directly. Um, and so one of the things that we did was we made sure that we were still getting books out, and that was one of the advantages of printing in the United States. Um, we had a lot of books on hand because I, I print at levels that a lot of folks in my size operation don't, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like issue two, we printed 1500 copies of, of each of the covers. So a 4,500 copy comic order out of an operation the size of Sinopa is, is probably about an order of magnitude bigger than what you would expect. But what it enabled us to do is to make sure that we were putting books into stores who needed stuff to sell. Um, and putting them in there at the same price point we, we were able to before COVID hit, um, which made a lot of difference. We had uh, Alexi and I went to one store uh, in person um, here earlier this year, and they were talking about how it was really helpful that we were able to not just bring our books in, but other creators who I know we sat and pointed them to them and said, hey, if you can get the books in at this kind of price point, then that can really help you out, can really help them out. And they started carrying a lot of indie books, particularly when Marvel and DC weren't shipping materials at all. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so even though they were selling things you know, by mail, it gave them new titles, exciting titles, stuff to get out and put into people's uh, hands and help keep generating revenue. Um, and I'm Personally, really, really very happy with that. These guys are hardworking. Your local comic shops need your support. And being able to help facilitate that was um, one of my prouder moments during 2020. 
if yeah. I can if I can add to that, um, we we at Snopa strongly believe in supporting local comic shops. You know, they are right. the the lifeline to the industry. When Diamond stopped distributing, it just halted everything down mm-hmm. to the grind, and mm-hmm. it was just terrible, really, for everybody involved. So, um, however we can support the retailers, we try. Um, you yeah. know, because it's a give and take kind of community. Oh, of course. Yeah. You know, you know it, it's it's interesting, you know, as we get further on 2021, 2022, and comic books still have been this medium that has kind of, you know, balked against like adapting to industry, really, you know, and like technology. Right. Obviously, a lot of people read comics online, but it's just not the same thing. I mean, you look at like stores, obviously, like Barnes and Noble succeeds, but if you guys have remember borders or any of the bookstores, right. all that stuff like closing down the print media, you know, it's going kind of away and comics kind of sit there, you know, and there still are this physical form of, you know, literature that we, that we enjoy. So if we don't let, if we don't support the comic book stores, I mean, that's where it all dies is right there. So, right. Yeah. The brick and mortars is, is really the place to be, you know, uh, Zach and I know a lot of shops during COVID, they did a lot of YouTube auctions, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. online sales, wh- wherever they could, you know, just obviously new, not new books were coming out. So if you wanted to read something maybe old, you know, I was telling people just call up your shop. I was giving people ideas for trade paperbacks. Um, mm-hmm. and, and even like you guys are doing, just going in and giving them in, independent stuff, which is, you know, something that, that starts that fire for someone who maybe is a possible new reader, right. uh, and kind of back to dungeons and dames. So it kind of just kickstarted two days ago. Like you said, uh, I actually just did my pledge this week, uh, today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really interesting. So it's a lot of pinups of different stuff like elves and dwarves and, you know, in very sexy, you know, very different characters um and recently zach and i were talking about and we're both big skyrim fans and we yes. were talking about elder scroll elder scrolls online possibly getting into it and me and him doing a team of role-playing games so these characters look and are very similar to something that you would see in a game like that uh right. what kind of you know, uh, sam do you do you play any type of role-playing thing games or you know what kind of got you into oh alexia is laughing i'm, I'm yeah. afraid to ask that question now. uh i am I'm, I'm a a terrible role-playing nerd i i play a lot of D a lot of talislana talislana is probably my favorite all-time role-playing game all tabletop um and shadowrun uh are, are my big three uh as far as um computer games i um i played a little eso with my brother for a little while he has um been a diehard ESO fan since release mm-hmm. plays pretty much every day since release. And so I, I just can't keep up, but um, <laughs> I, I do play a lot of Warframe with my buddies, uh, which is, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, uh, beast mind kind of mode. You know, you're just like, yeah, point, shoot, point, shoot, jump out of the way. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, Hey, we finished mission. Let's get a beer and let's do this again. <laughs> and it's, um, it, it's kind of uh, where I'm at with my online gaming, but I'll tell you, the more they tease out the next Elder Scrolls, you know, we just see a couple of images every couple mm-hmm. of years. And I'm like, well, come on, give us a little bit more. I'm looking forward to seeing what we can do with that. Yeah. I hope it has more of a Morrowind vibe than. Uh, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. 
is what I'm the old school for. the old school Morrowind. Man. Yeah, with the, the up to date graphics, you know, yeah, maybe maybe sure. maybe multiplayer mode with a little customization efforts. That's what I'm hoping for, but I'm not gonna hold my breath. But yeah, um, they just did I'm Blackwood, excited. I know, expansion for ESO. Yeah. So and I heard it got decent reviews. It kind of a lot of the story kind of brings it back to the old uh Morrowind times, so mm-hmm. it, we're, we're considering playing it. But Dungeons and Dames is, is is perfect as a as an art pinup book with all the different types of characters. And who are some of the artists that are on uh, this pinup book? Oh, we have some wonderful people on this. Of course, we have Alexia Veldhausen, who is um, you know we I try to keep Alexia working as much as possible. I think he's such... just scared that I'm going to like run off to somebody else or something. Just <laughs> like, here, have some more work. No, of course not. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> um, Isakul Sanav, who's uh, a dear friend of Alexia's, who's an artist out of Turkey. She's also doing uh, the cover for my uh, next comic series. Uh, I should say my second comic series, which I'm creating with uh, Nick Capone, which is coming out in January, and that's uh, Reign of Ages. Mm-hmm. And then we've got Greg Harms, who is with Outlaw Studios. He is a co-creator on a number of different projects, and um, we're just waiting to get in uh, his stuff in color. He finished his um, pencils and inks months ago, but his colors are still taking a little while. Really looking forward to uh, having those final copies in hand. Uh, Kelsey Cohen, who's another Kubert grad along with uh, Alexia and Aisha. Um, and she did um, uh, more fanciful pieces with kind of these vibrant um, colors uh, like you might see in a, a fantasy anime. Mm-hmm. And then Lois Blair, who's a local Kentucky artist who I kind of discovered by accident. <laughs> she's she's really wonderful. Uh, and in fact, the uh, title card image and uh, image we use for the bulk of the promotion of this project is uh, her creation, her uh, her titan uh lady sitting there on the rock oh, the blue it's blue yeah. right yeah. Yeah. yeah i know exactly mm-hmm. and then nick capone who's a kubert uh graduate as well as a kubert instructor now and he did uh, a, uh one of the demonic images you see on the campaign page um paul walcott another kubert school graduate uh and his uh work on this has a little bit of a, an anime manga kind of influence to it you'll see uh the piece that we showcased on this was a dark elf that he did uh that was really really um something uh with the the shock of white hair and the, the brief shorts and everything just really eye-catching little piece for it um, and then we had Rebecca Coulthart, who is a former Kubert student. Uh, Rebecca kind of dances to the beat of her own drum and does a lot of things with her her own series, um, which is Cheap Jack Gentleman. But she's done uh, RPG work for me in the past. and She came up with uh, some really... Uh, interesting alluring cartoony style um creatures like uh her um her horror f- uh fixated uh mermaid and then there's uh i'll, I'll go ahead and tease this out she's got a zombie girl as one of her mm-hmm. other uh contributions really really interesting i really actually like that one a lot i think it's so yeah. funny it's got it, some, it it's got like a cheeky 50s you know pinup style i mean feel to it mm-hmm. um but it's still rebecca and it's still a zombie girl smiling at you i know it's, it's really cool and uh then warren brown who is an artist out of oregon uh warren um actually i got to know uh warren when he became a fan of 47 and i guess more importantly a fan of alexia's 
Um, but Warren in, in his own right is a fantastic artist. He produces an online comic known as Sig and Joe, um, which uh, is really a lot of fun. If you haven't checked it out, you really should. Um, but he put out uh, his pieces um, in this black and white and gray scale. And part of the reason for that is Warren's colorblind. And so he, he works expressly in that medium hmm. so that he can kind of show the world how he sees things in a lot of, you know, uh, gray tones. That's and I cool. think it was a really, really neat choice for it. Mm -hmm. And then Zach Viola, who uh, of course was a co-creator on the steel road with me, um, for the weapon source book. Uh, he came on as well and just delivered some really stunning pieces. Uh, we we're showcasing his, um, half dressed dwarf warrior, but he also brought out a, a really snazzy demon and then a, a beast girl that, um, I won't get into descriptive for it because <laughs> <laughs> we'll just let we'll just let the image tell the tale on that. And then he also does a lot of um, military themed illustration. And so his final one, and we going to spoil this a little bit, is done in the old uh, 1940s style when they would put pinup girls on the side of uh, an aircraft. And so his pinup, the background for it, is the side of an aircraft. And so the pinup is actually drawn on the aircraft. Oh, it's really cool. really interesting way he did that. Cool, cool. So, and there's going to be how many is on the Dungeons and Dames total of the? We've pairs? got 40 illustrations in total. Okay. Um, it's going to be a total of 54 pages because we've got um, some, you know, things like the artist credits in the back and things oh, like yeah. that. And then, um, if we hit high enough in our stretch goals, we'll start adding more content on that. Our our first stretch goal at 5,000 adds a, a cool sticker that uh, I had made uh, about two years ago, commissioned from Lotus. And then our 10,000 is a surprise. We're not going to reveal that until we actually uh, pass the, the first stretch goal. And then we've got um, focused on develop, de delivering the highest quality books. So at 25,000, we're going to a hardbound as opposed to softbound. And that's hardbound with sewn pages. So it's literally the best quality book that we can get to deliver to people. And mm -hmm. then we'll once we hit that, we'll have uh, stretch goals for adding additional art to it to expand on it. So we want to focus on getting the highest quality book we can to people's hands. Awesome. So if anybody's out there listening, um, like Sam said, it's currently on kickstarter.com under the projects. It's Dungeons and Dames Fantasy TTRPG pinup art book. Uh, dungeons and the end word is ampersand get uh, dames uh, it's easy to find go ahead and back this project if you're into fantasy and pinups i know my friend dave here in new jersey is a big pinups fan he's always getting different pinups and uh, from all different artists and putting them up so i'm sure he'll he'll back this project for some fantasy stuff especially from all these uh, great local artists and all over the world really mm -hmm. uh, warren's really interesting all the way on oregon uh, colorblind artist but i did see his he's got it's almost like a cat looking character I think yeah like a, a cat monk character it's uh basically practicing and shattering targets yeah um while basically standing there in the buff you know so <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's an interesting take and he's he his other pieces are i think are equally fascinating and he's done some interesting things with his backgrounds as well um i'll, I'll tell you that the man has a remarkable talent for drawing snakes so if you ever see any of that in his background, you're in for a real treat just there alone, not to mention the, the actual foreground material, I guess we could say. Um, but he's, uh, he's really something. I'm really happy to be working with him. Awesome. Cool. Zach, uh, you got another question for the either yeah, Alexia or? Sure. I do for Alexia. Hey, so how much of the story for 47 Furious Tales, how much do you 
require to know when you're writing the panels? Like, how does it, how does it come to you? How's, how's like your process with that? Is the story written to you and then you get it and you're kind of instructed? How's it all work? I'm always interested in that. Well, um, at the very, very, very beginning of the project, I was vaguely familiar with the story. Um, but for the sake of research, I actually went ahead and watched two iterations of movies. Mm -hmm. um, one from the 40s and one from the 50s, I believe. Um, to get a better grasp on who's who. Because all these Japanese names in the very beginning are hard to connect the dots in terms of who's connected to the name, connected to the person, who did what, all that stuff. Which becomes even more difficult if you didn't have to design them all as squirrels in boxes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was the very the, the pre-production work, if you will. Mm -hmm. Then when it came to the actual making of the book, um, Sam wrote a script. He had written the entire outline of the um, all 12 issues because it's a 12 issue miniseries. And we had discussed pacing, uh, which big thing to put in which issue and stuff like that. And then when it comes to the actual script of each issue, um, he gives me draft number what is it three <laughs> for you but yeah then, usually usually it's by ja by the time you get it, it's usually draft three something like that and then i go over it again and um we discuss things um you know just like oh maybe if we do it more like this or oh i really like this idea you know we just mm -hmm. kind of we go back and forth we're very collaborative on the actual book itself but then once it comes time for me to draw it that's when sam kind of lets me you know, do my thing. Um, I do ask him very specific things like, oh, did you mean to put that in there for a very specific reason? Or do you want me to, do you want something to look a specific way? And I will do um, a heck of a lot of research for that mm -hmm. just to make sure that it looks as good as I can make it look. Um, so, yeah, so that's really it. Like cool. I said, it's a very tight knit collaborative effort between the both of us. As, as I think comics should be, you know, right. I mean, most creator owned comics and I'm talking very specifically about image titles, they tend to be a collaborative effort. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you really don't see too many, especially when they start off, you don't see a writer and artist ever come off that title. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, I've seen I, I know your Instagram a little bit of what you're reading and Zach and I read the same things. We're both big fans of uh, Kieran Gillian. So, you know, him working with Dan Moore on Once and Future. Yeah. Uh, and anything else, like you said, Rick Remender and Wes Craig on Deadly Class. You don't ever see another artist come into these titles because they, they always have, they always jive together. Right. And, and with, and Sam and, and you, Alexi, you know, you're jiving right now on Furious, uh, for, uh, 47 Furious Tales. And I, when I was reading issue one, that first action sequence that happens, I was just like, Man, that was that was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and the fun... I mean, hey, it's just, it's samurai. It's supposed to. Be oh, of course. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if there was no blood in in, in gore, it kind of wouldn't be the real thing, right? Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, and we, we have a we long way a, to go. We take a lot of inspiration too from Akira Kurosawa films. Mm -hmm. So you, mm -hmm. uh, it, what's really nice about this is a lot of people don't even notice that in in the course of these books, there are sometimes two whole pages, three whole pages where there's literally no dialogue, no narration. It's literally just told through the the um, 
the storyboards through the panels itself. Mm-hmm. And so it just flows through the action. And so you kind of get this sense of your eyes are just following it and you're not taking a moment to have to interrupt that with your dialogue. And I, I think it, it says a lot for it. It's just like, um, just like in you know, Jimbo, there's a scene where there's literally no sound, like the entire sound in the scene is just off, no background, no, no noise or anything. And just the exchange of, of swordplay in it for a moment in dead silence is just swift and poignant and then picks back up, you know, seamlessly after that as the scene starts to draw to a close. And um, looked at that a lot with uh, the construction of, of, of these two issues and uh, looking at it again and with issue three, of course, and going forward to try and help be very immersive experience. Mm-hmm. Cause there's different clans now, as far as like uh, the anamorphic you know, at the end of issue two, we kind of see uh, the, the monkeys, I guess, is that right? Mm-hmm. The gray wolf bandit clan, right? Yeah. A bunch of monkeys. Yeah. Okay. Is there anything you could tease out for issue three that we're going to see? Um, well, <laughs> you're going to see a lot of blood and a lot of furious action. I can tell oh, you. That. Okay. Um, okay. There's a lot of furious samurai action. Um, just as the issue two closed with um, Yoshio um, swearing to take their heads. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, I would not, I would not argue with that man. You know, I would, I would <laughs> if he says he's going to do something, I would believe him. <laughs> so um, yeah, look forward to a lot of, a lot of very vicious um furious samurai action in issue three um i think alexia is gonna have a lot of fun with that especially uh how she likes to portray um when blood splatters are flying from from particular sword strikes uh, and spear strikes she does a remarkable uh way of making that look organic and i think that we're gonna have a real treat for the eyes with it cool cool so what we usually like to do is uh, we're gonna, we're, we'll wrap up with both of you and Alexia. Usually at the end of our show, we always talk about what are we currently reading is a segment that we always like to do. Uh, basically, it's always we either pick a title or a series that we're currently reading out there in the world. Uh, and since both of you are on here, you know, the guests kind of want to know maybe something different that they can pick up. So let's hear maybe a title that either you're reading or a series Sam, what are you currently reading? Boston Metaphysical Society by Madeline Holly Rawson. Um, she's absolutely brilliant uh, screenwriter, brilliant uh, comic book writer. She's a fantastic novelist. Um, basically, anything she puts out, as soon as I find out about it, I try and get a copy and read it. Uh, Miskatonic University by Mike Shea is another comic that is actually on my have-to-have list. Um Anything released by Adam Watson from Dark Slinger uh, Comics out in Oregon. Uh, he's, he's puts out titles like Ghost Assassin. Mm-hmm. And then um, anything that is written by my friend Brian Hawkins. I actually got to interview Brian uh, right before his first comic release. And now he's writing for two different companies plus his own. He put out a comic titled Corn Rose, which was just beautifully written. He's doing a lot of work for Mad Cave uh, right now um, and a few others that I don't know if I'm allowed to mention. I don't know if he has an NDA on those or not. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, anything by Brian Hawkins, uh, just because I, I just absolutely love the man's work. Honestly, he should be writing, you know, Batman and Spider-Man in the same month. That's, that's how <laughs> he is. He's, he's just – he's tremendous. And then um, Jimmy Palmiotti, anything that he's putting out, um, which this month I don't think I have anything from Jimmy, but then of course also she by Billy Tushy. Yes. Yeah. But Billy's a great guy. He was actually at 
Garden State Comic Fest, correct? Yeah, I got to meet him for the first time in person. It was it was really wild. Um, he actually yeah, told me because you know we we were on their show and we sent them some stuff from issue one, issue two, including some of the prints. And he said that his son has actually taken the the big prints and framed them and put them in his room. So, Forty Seven Furious Tales heart is hung in Billy Tushy's house in his son's room, which is wild to have to say out loud. <laughs> So speaking of uh, the Comic-Con, real quick, before, before Alexia, we get to you, and what are you currently reading? Are you guys doing any upcoming conventions to get that out there? Uh, I'm trying to get into a, a couple of cons here in Lexington. Uh, okay. In Lexington, I should say. And then there's another one I'm seeing what we can do about getting in on uh, Cincinnati. The Cincinnati one is pretty much booked, and the second con in um, Lexington still has a waiting list because they had their seats from 2020 that Uh they're holding over for it, so not holding my breath on either of those two. But the Lexicon um, Tabletop Game Convention, which is actually titled uh, Lexicon Tabletop Game Convention from July 30th to August 1st, I'm looking on setting up a booth there. Uh, I am reaching out to some of our local artists, um, people like Lotus Blair, um, Jennifer Frackle D, Phoenix O'Ferry, um, uh, a couple other folks that we have in our bullpen uh, to see if they want to come along too. And basically what we do in that point is we just kind of collaboratively pull cash for a larger booth uh-huh. and then get everyone there in prime real estate for cons. And we use that to um, kind of leverage position a little bit, you know? And- yeah, I've seen that at, definitely a bigger shows instead of having an artist just have this small little like six foot table have a bigger presence like you said and have a couple artists a couple writers all together I, i've seen that at the like, new york right. comic-con c2e2 wherever i baltimore uh, but that's that's really the way to go because yeah, we're trying to get at least eight feet each you know as we're mm-hmm. trying awesome so uh alexia what are you currently reading um Currently, I'm reading a copy of Blade of the Immortal, Omnibus Volume 1, that my dear friend Paul Walcott um, lent me. So I just started reading that. And, you know, it's right up my alley because it's samurai stuff. So mm-hmm. He knows me so well. <laughs> um, other than that, a brand new series that is put up by Image that I'm currently reading that I'm really into called Carmen with a K, not a C, with a K. And I do believe that that was originally published in Europe. Now, like I said before, I'm from Europe, so I've mm-hmm. um, read a good number of European comics alongside the American comics. Um, so I got immediate just European vibes from this book by um, Guillaume March, which I'm sure I'm not pronouncing that properly. It's okay. Um, we butcher names all the time in this <laughs> podcast. So right now they're on issue four of that. Like I said, it's brand new. I just literally picked it up on a whim. I saw it on mm-hmm. uh, on the shelves of Dewey's and I was just like, oh, this looks interesting. And I, I opened it up and it was just this beautiful panoramic view of this uh, city in Mallorca. And this girl was completely naked and just floating through it. And it's a, it's a very interesting story. Mm-hmm. And the art looks really, really good. But like I said, it's got some real European vibes to it. So if you're into that kind of stuff, definitely check out Carmen. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I'll, uh, I, I, yeah, I'm a big fan of, uh, uh, I, I say Gilliam. Maybe that's how Gilliam Marsh. Uh, I was a big fan when he did uh, Gotham City Sirens back mm-hmm. in the early 2000s in DC Comics. So um, he's oh, a great guy, too. That. I didn't know. Oh yeah, that. yeah. Before New Fifty Two yeah. in the early two thousands, yeah, he was doing that. all the covers and the 
interiors and I, I loved his stuff for that so uh i do i know of the series but you know on your recommendation i will definitely check out the the first couple issues so uh thank you so much so to wrap up everything we really appreciate alexi and sam coming on here from uh sonopa publishing anything you guys want to promote now's the time get it out there tell people where they can find you and where they can uh back that kickstarter sure well i want to give a huge shout out to Alexia, to Nick, and to my daughter, Willow, all of whom had birthdays this week. So for all your audience members, if you want to do something really great for Alex and for Nick, definitely come out and check Dungeons and Dames. These folks did fantastic work on the illustrations. And if you're a D&D fan, come to Drive Through RPG, and you can get copies of any of our uh, Snopa role-playing game books. Uh, and you'll see some familiar names on those titles for art, such as Alexia Veldhausen, Christian Martinez, uh, Nick Capone, and more. And pride ourselves on our original art and on taking good care of artists. And we are celebrating the fact that uh, Alexia has now been working full-time as an artist for uh, almost a year. So we've, uh, we've kept her very, very busy. And we'd <laughs> like to keep doing that. So everyone's contributions on the Kickstarters is what really makes that possible. It's awesome. And Alexi, any closing words from you? Um, you know, I am most active on Instagram. Um, you can check me out under the uh, alias Lexa Musa. So that's Lex A Moose A. Um, and yeah, again, guys, if you like RPG stuff, you like high fantasy, and you love sexy ladies, I mean, who doesn't? Come on, let's be real. Check out Dungeons and Dames on Kickstarter. Yeah, definitely anybody out there. It, it's really cool. Like I said, I, I backed it. Zach and I are big fans of the whole Elder Scrolls Skyrim area. So uh, I, I'm enjoying it. And for 47 Furious Tales, again, the first two issues are out. Uh, make sure you guys check out Indiegogo or the drive through for the to be able to find those. Uh, again, we really appreciate, Sam, you coming on here with Alexia. I'm sure I'll run into you guys at another show uh, anytime you guys. And if you ever want to come on here, promote it again, you know, right before 47 Furious Tales comes out for issue three on the Kickstarter, you're more than welcome. We'll absolutely love to have you guys back on here on the Comic-Con podcast. Oh, we'd love to be there. Love to actually uh, give you a little sneak peek sometime of the cover art for issue three, but you have oh, it in your hands. You have it in your hand, actually, with your card right there. That's uh, our cover for issue three. Yes. So I know, I know the audience can't appreciate that, but that's actually um, what you're going to see um, is our fierce little samurais in action. All right. Cool. Well, again, we thank you so much for coming here on the Comic-Con podcast, um, and we'll check you at another time. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Take care. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Well, we want to thank everybody who listened to both Alexia and Sam here on the Sonopa Publishing. Thank you yeah. guys so much out there for coming on to the show and uh, talking about all the stuff that they have going on with the publishing company. Uh, all their links will be in the description. We will definitely be tagging them on our post on Instagram. Um, a lot of good stuff, right, Zach? Yeah, it was cool. I mean... You know, obviously, we talk a lot about the big two, Marvel, DC, and obviously, Boom, and Image, and Dark Horse, and all that as well. So it's fun to kind of talk about, you know, some of the more independent stuff, like the real independent stuff. And it, it's nice, dude. It's nice to hear about, I mean, Sam listed off titles that I've never heard of in my life. You know what I mean? But it made me, it, but now, then it kind of pissed me off because I'm like, damn, 
there's all this shit out there I haven't read because you know me, I love, I just, I kind of got to read everything. So now I'm like, okay, am I going to fall down this hole of Kickstarter comic books and just devour everything? Kind of seems like maybe I should. And that's the one thing with going to comic cons, you just walk through artist alley or you're just walking around on the, on the showroom floor. And if it's not a vendor who's trying to sell comics, you know, at a booth, like a shop or something, that's what it is. It's a, it could be a publishing company and they're, you know, you just kind of walking by and that's what it was with, with Sam and Lexi. You know, Mm -hmm. I was, saw them at garden state comic fest and just, uh, you know, I was kind of hooked on, on the 47 furious tales when Sam was telling me about it. So you know, that's what it is. There, there's yeah. tons of stuff that's out there for people. So when you're walking around a convention, definitely, you know, go to these, these publishers, go to these artists, these writers, because they have great titles that I'm sure nobody's ever heard about. And it may not come out, but the best way is Kickstarter. You back these projects for these uh, people. For sure. So since we've, we've kind of done a really long episode we've we, again with with sam and lexi you know we're kind of just gonna wrap up this this evening with uh a great review real quick so dc titan season three trailer just dropped today really awesome oh man coming out in august on hbo max uh zach what did you think about the trailer you know i so we've known a lot coming out. Um, we knew we were going to get some red hood, but the big question has always been like, how much Joker are we going to get? You know, how much, how true is it going to be to the story of red hood? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It seems like we're getting, I don't know about how much, I guess the view we got of the Joker was very much like shadowed, you know, and I have distanced. I don't know if we'll get much close up or whatnot, but we're getting some Joker and we're getting some real Jason Todd red hood stuff. And man, it looked awesome. Yeah. So we're going back to Gotham because that's what, uh, dick says Mm -hmm. he's like you know this place has brought monsters so we're definitely going back to gotham city we're getting at a titan's tower out in san francisco where season two was uh a lot of stuff looks like it's going to happen we also do know that you know we're going to be seeing oracle this season and scarecrow so with them going back to gotham scarecrow is definitely going to be playing a big part uh i assume we got Um, some spoilers too some like confirmation that donna troy is going to be back yeah, and some stills and mm-hmm. images of her standing with the team, which I thought's awesome. I love the chick, the who plays Donna Troy. I think she's amazing. Um, and I was really bummed the way season two ended with her, you know. So that's awesome. She's coming back. Yeah. So I was a huge fan of when they showed off Jason Todd. You know, I when he was in the beginning of that trailer, and then you very quickly see him with the hood on. Uh, I think it's done right. I think the season's going to be great. I cannot wait for August yeah. on HBO Max. It's just going to be so awesome. And, and I was looking at, I was looking at CGC 9.8s for the first appearance of Jason Todd, <laughs> and they're like 1500. And I have a 9.6, and I'm just like, man, I really got to get this in a 9.8 because I have all his other appearances. As I have him first Red Hood in a 9.8. I have like him in the Robin costume in 9.8. I'm just like, man, I don't have his first true appearance in the 9-8. I'm like, my God, I really need this book. So oh, you better get it before you get priced out. And the way uh, things go these days, so it doesn't yeah. take long. So it's it's definitely rough. So um, other than that, what do we end always the show with? What are we currently reading? Yep. Yeah. Uh, we got to hear what Alexia and Sam is currently reading, which was really nice, right, Zach? Yeah, that was fun. It's fun to hear other people's uh kind of what they're reading. Cause like you said, like, you know, you and I always kind of know what each other's reading. Um, mm-hmm. So it's fun to get good things. I wrote down a little list as well of some of the, the, 
suggestions they gave to go look up so yeah sam's gonna send me a, on our instagram a, a list of all these titles which i definitely yeah, need perfect. to check out so and then I, i'm gonna check out alexia's uh with karma i i knew of that mm -hmm. title and i i picture it every you know month when i go into the comic shops and i can see it i just never picked it up and i don't know why uh but i'm definitely gonna pick it up on her recommendation so for my pick of the week you know this week is a book that has finally come to a close venom number 35 or venom 200 for legacy numbers donnie cates and ryan stegman putting a fork in their series uh it was awesome it was the first time i felt like a title ended with a great closure and it needed it needed nothing more i feel like this issue was better than all of king and Buck. <laughs> like yeah it, i do what you're just, saying I, I know you read it uh, there's a lot of things that I don't really want to give any spoilers to anybody who hasn't read the book yet, but uh, we know that Al Ewing is coming in as a writer for a new mm -hmm. Venom one. We talked about it, uh, I guess, last week or the week before on the podcast of how it's going to be some of Venom, Eddie Brock, and some of Flash Thompson. Uh, of course, this issue does have a little bit of Flash Thompson in there, so that's not too much of a spoiler, but I'm not going to spoil the story itself. Um, the only really thing that's amazing and Zach will attain to this is when the whole now that um, Eddie Brock is part of the God of the symbiotes, the fact that he can be anywhere at any time, right, is awesome. So there's a part where you see uh, Venom kind of in space helping people out. Then you see him with the Avengers, you see him with uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, but he's really not there. It's just the symbiote, and he's really back in. I I guess we'll call it New York. And he's hanging out with Peter Parker, Spider-Man, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, really interesting. Uh, and, and and my favorite, who's still in there, and I even questioned this before before I read it. I was hoping Sleeper was still there. Yeah, he's still he's still roaming around. And Sleeper's I'm, cool, I'm, man. I'm still a big fan of Sleeper. I think he's got a he's going to bond to somebody, and I think he's going to be a Sleeper hit. Yeah. No, it was good. I, I enjoyed that issue too. Um, and you're right. It did kind of round it all out. It brought in, you know, what loosens there were, you know, uh, it brought them back up. It, it very, it's always frustrating to read a title and feel like, you know, it starts off really good. The middle's really good or something. By the end, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like the complete story. And mm -hmm. I do feel like, you know, say what you will. Obviously, a lot of people like Donny Cates. I, I'm a fan of Donny Cates' writing for the most part. Um, but it felt like he had this ending more or less in mind when he started, you know, like oh, maybe yeah. he didn't know where it was going to go, but it definitely feels like it rounded out the complete story. And I appreciate that as like a, as a reader, you know what I mean? Yeah. You definitely need to read the entire series. Even if you don't read too much of King and black, if you just read the one to 35, there's little, like you wouldn't understand certain things. Right. right? So you really need to sit and, and I may even go back and now reread the entire series because I was a fan from when it first started. And then I feel like it kind of trickled off. I thought it was getting way too out there. Um, but coming to this close was, was perfect. I think it yeah. was, a, it was a great send off for Donnie Cates and Ryan Stegman to end it at, at issue 200 legacy numbers. And then of course, at the end of the issue, you see all 200 mm -hmm. issues. The it's gallery. always cool. Uh, of all the venom stuff so that was what i'm currently reading this week zach what are you currently reading this week so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep up with the trend of overpowered 
heroes from the Marvel universe. So, I mean, that was like the one of the, I guess kind of it's cool and in, in like a downer as well about the venom issue is like, now he's just, what does he call himself? Omnipresent, not mm-hmm. omnipotent, but omnipresent, you know, but massively powered. I mean, OP powered now, it seems like with Venom. So following that train, I'm going to go into my my favorite characters, obviously the X-Men. We had um, the, we have the X-Men gala going on right now. And uh, this issue, we had jo- our planet-sized X-Men number one. So kind of a standalone one shot that's dealing with the gala, but it's been hyped up leading up to this as to be one of the most important issues in X-Men history, modern history, moving forward with the X-Men. And I'll be honest, it doesn't disappoint. There's some big, big things that happen in this issue. Um, I guess I'm going to avoid spoiling it. I will touch on a part of it in terms of the OP is you basically see about 10 or so, maybe more. I'm like, this is an exact number. Omega level mutants come forward, team up and do some crazy shit. Like, I mean, just stuff that should be very frightening to the rest of the Marvel universe. I mean, it puts them on par with the biggest threats in the Marvel universe. If they can do things like this when they team up. And it's so interesting in this era of of the X-Men too, because this isn't all X-Men. These are villains as well. So Mm -hmm. all the mutants teamed up together, putting aside their differences and working together for like one thing. That's a big deal, man. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. it should be frightening for the Marvel universe. They might just now be the biggest superpower in the Marvel universe. If they continue to do stuff like this. So big issue for the X-Men planet size X-Men number one. Um, check it out. If you're an X-Men fan, of course, I'm sure you'll be reading it. If you're not, I suggest checking it out. It's really, really cool. You might be confused if you haven't been following the X-Men, uh, Hickman universe, but man, wild, wild issue. So. Cool. So yeah, that was, I, I definitely want to check it out now that you're talking about this giant, uh, I, I got to check it out. I don't. I don't want to talk about it here on the podcast. I'm definitely have to go out and buy it. Yeah. Uh, so, thanks everybody for checking out. Uh, episode 24 is in the books uh, again. Check out Sinopa Publishing. Uh, Sam Quinton and Alexia Van Husen as the artist. Um, that's all that I have. It's been an absolute pleasure this evening. Uh, you could follow us on our Instagram, of course, the Comic Con Podcast. Send us dms or email us at the comic-com podcast at gmail.com to hurry up for issue or i should say issue episode 25 damn we're hitting a quarter century man yeah man awesome so that's it for me zach closing words no great episode always love interviewing new people talking about new comics and and just kind of opening up that world away from the stuff that we all know you know the the marvel dc so it's fun to get to some new stuff so really enjoyed speaking with the people from sonopa publishing and um we'll see you guys next week all right peace out everybody Later.